the last weekend, Katie and I um, went camping. We went camping down in Indian Head and we decided to set up on Friday night. If any of you guys were here, was anyone here on Friday night? Last week, raw holidays. It's good to have holidays. If you were here, you would know setting up camp on Friday night was an absolutely terrible idea. It was bucketing out with rain. At one point, Katie was kind of holding that pole at the corner of the car because the wind swept in, the rain was pouring down. We set up camp, we eventually got the camp up and we were dry and it was all okay. But we had to set up our camp next to us, quite close actually to another camper um, because we needed trees to set our tarp up. We only had about three poles, um, so we were definitely struggling. But we used these trees and we had to set up next door to this and we felt a bit bad. So when the guy came back that night, we invited him under our shelter. He just had a tent, so we said, come over, have a drink, sit down, chat. So we got chatting with this guy. And we were camping there with all of our Bible boys we kind of got together, it's been a year since we finished college, it was a big get together. So we're sitting around, this guy comes in, he starts chatting to us, and he asks, oh, how do you guys all know each other? And of course we say, oh, we actually all went to Bible college together. He, uh, not surprisingly, kind of looked a bit strange, and then, oh, yeah, okay, and then the conversation went on. But eventually things got to sort of a spiritual level, and we chatted a bit about, you know, why we went to Bible college, uh, what we knew of God, what we understood of God. And then one of my friends asked him, what do you think? Oh, do you have any beliefs? Do you, do you believe in anything? Do you go to church? Um, and his answer was something along the lines of this. He kind of said, you know, everyone has their own views. Um, you know, that's good if you have your own view. I, I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, I've got, got a lot of friends with different religions, and they're all kind of the same. As long as we just do the right thing, uh, who can really know who's right? Who, who can really know that they have their claim on God? When there's so many religions in the world. And that kind of brought the conversation to a bit of a stop uh, for all of us. We, we shared a little bit about our faith, but not a whole lot. We kind of, it was difficult to kind of continue the conversation after that. Um, and it's often something that I hear from people, this kind of attitude of, you know, if there's so many religions, how could, how could you know that you follow God and all these people don't follow God? How sort of arrogant of you to think that you have the one and only way to know God. Um, we live in a world now that's kind of a bit more, I see it's truth a bit more sort of subjectively, right? Like, you have your own truth, uh, I can't interfere with your truth, you can't interfere with my truth. How can anyone have truth anymore? How can anyone truly know? How can anyone truly have a claim on God? This was kind of this guy's opinion, and this was the opinion I've heard quite a few times um, from people as I've chatted to them, I'm sure you've probably come across it too. And it's a challenge often as I have these discussions, it's kind of challenging for me. I often don't really know exactly what to say. And it's worse, sometimes it kind of brings a doubt into me to go, do I really, can I really know God really? How, how is it that I feel like I have a claim? Is it arrogant of me to think I'm the only one who knows God truly? Or is that the right way to think as a Christian? It's a really important question to consider, isn't it? How, how can we know God as a Christian? How can we have this claim? to know the one and only God and say that everyone else is wrong. Well, I think in our passage today, um, Jesus gives us a bit of a boost to that claim that we know the one and true God. Uh, in our passage today, I think Jesus reveals a lot about knowing God. Um, so if you jump with me uh, to Matthew 11, we're going to look at the verses that we read earlier. If you have a handout, hopefully that will help orient, orientate you to where we are tonight. <coughs> 
kind of put a few headings there to try to help us to, to work through this passage. There's a lot in this passage. Um, many, many people have written a lot about uh, this passage. It's probably well known. Many of you would know it. Um, but if you look there, I've kind of picked it down to a sentence. How can we know God? Well, I think what Jesus says here is that we can know God because he reveals himself in Jesus by opening his heart to us. We can know God because he reveals himself in Jesus by opening his heart to us. That's where we're going tonight. That's what we're going to be thinking about as we look at this passage. Um, and as I've worked through this passage this week, it's been such an encouragement to me, can I say. It's been encouraging again to think about Jesus, who he is, what he reveals about God to us. So look there with me at the start of our passage in verse 25. And we see that Jesus reveals that we can know God because he reveals himself to us. If you look there at verse 25, Jesus says this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden treasures, hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased Jesus said that God was pleased to reveal himself, but he says he was pleased to reveal himself to children and not to the wise and learned. What's he getting at there for us to consider as well? We have to remember the context that Jesus is speaking into. If you were here with us last week, I know many of you on holidays, but in the passage before this, Jesus is speaking about judgment on many towns. And the judgment that he's condemning these towns for is because they've rejected the Messiah, they've rejected Jesus himself, because their expectations around the Messiah, their things that they think the Messiah should be like, what they wanted Jesus to be like, doesn't really fit how Jesus is acting. So they reject Jesus. And I think what Jesus is getting at here is God is not revealing himself to those who see their own wisdom, their own knowledge as their way to God. People that have their own ideas about coming to God on their terms, coming to God with the things that they know, Jesus is kind of breaking down all those expectations. And instead, Jesus is saying that God reveals himself to little children. Now, do we all need to be little children and play games like little children to know God? I don't think so. But I think the idea here is that little children are much easily, are much more easily accept something that they can't what do we say to our kids if you're trying to explain something to them? They keep asking, but why? But why? You end up just saying, it's because I told you so, right? I told you so. And often that's enough. I mean, for some kids it's not, but often kids just need to trust your word and they accept it. So I think what Jesus is saying here is God is revealing himself to those little children. He's revealing those to himself to people who are willing to accept his message. People that don't let their knowledge and their own of seeing God, like the towns that Jesus condemned earlier on. But God is pleased to reveal himself to those who have childlike faith. People who come and leave aside their own expectations, leave aside their own judgment, and come to God wholeheartedly as a child. God is pleased to reveal himself to us. And that's how we can know him. We can know God because he reveals us. That's what Jesus is saying. That's why he's praising God for this. Yeah. And 
verse 27, we see that God reveals himself to us in Jesus. Now, verse 27, there's one verse in the Bible that a lot of people have took a lot of insight to. Incredible depth of theological ideas of the relationship between the Father and the Son, their relationship to us. But in the context of what's going to come before and where we're moving tonight, I want us to notice the kind of development that's taking place here uh, in the revelation of God. If you read with me in verse 27, Jesus says this, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now remember that in verse 25, we said that God loves to reveal himself. It's God who is doing the revealing. And now, Jesus is saying, all of these things of God have been given to me. And now I reveal God to him. How can we now know God? It's, well, it's Jesus who's revealing the Father. It's the Son who reveals the Father to us. No one knows the Father except the Son, that is Jesus, and those to whom the Son chooses Jesus reveals God to us when we can come to know God in the person of Jesus. But I want us to know that the idea of knowing God here is more than just knowing stuff about God. It's not just uh, theological knowledge, it's not just things that are in our head. There's a deep relational knowledge that's going on here between Jesus and the Father and Jesus revealing the Father to us. Here's an example. Some of you here would probably know quite a lot about me. Some of you probably don't know me from a bar boat, and that's okay, just say hello to me afterwards, we can get to know each other. But some of you would know that I'm from the far south coast, uh, married to Katie. You might even know that our dog's name is Scout. You might even know that we're in the middle of moving house as we speak today. Not obviously right now, but this weekend we're moving house. So you might know a lot of things about me, right? But I want to say that no one in this room knows me like Katie knows. Katie and I share a relationship that I don't share with any of you. Sorry to be exclusive, but it's true. Katie and I's relationship is deep and relational and intimate in a way that it's not with any of you guys. Katie truly knows me. And this passage, Jesus is saying that he truly knows the Father like no one else. So the knowing that's going on here is more than just an intellectual knowledge. It's a deep relational, intimate knowledge that Jesus is talking about between him and the Father. And that's what makes what he says at the end all the more incredible. When Jesus says, I know the Father like no one knows the Father. But if you want to know the Father, I can show you. No one knows the Father, knows the Son except the Father. And no one really knows the Father except the Son. And those
these verses we get a real exclusive look into the heart of Jesus. There's no way else in the Gospels does Jesus speak directly of his heart except for in these three verses. And as we think about Jesus' heart, we need to grasp what heart might have meant to the people that Jesus was speaking to. See, in ancient Israel, they didn't really have a concept of the brain like we do today. So the centre of a person an ancient Israelite, the people of Jews, Jesus this day, was the heart. Jesus, the people of Jesus today didn't have CAT scans to realise that the actual brain is the center of the centre of the person. They didn't even really have a word for what we understand to be the brain. They saw everything about a person centred in their heart, the way they feel, the way they think, the decisions they make. It all came from the heart. The heart is the very centre of the heart. It's where everything that that person is about flows out of. So, so Jesus speaks about his heart. Have that image of it's not just how he feels, it's who he is. Jesus' heart is the centre, the innermost being of Jesus. And if it's you know, Jesus is God, like we heard last week, and that we've kind of seen in these first few verses, if Jesus reveals his heart to us, we also get to know God's heart. That in mind, come with me to read these wonderful three verses from verse 22. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden Yes. Yeah. 
come in and get the potatoes. So I think it would be amiss to just end there uh, to answer that question. I think it's good to think about, as we think about the rest of Jesus' office here, uh, think a little bit about uh, where we look correct. How do we spend our downtime? Do we uh, rest from our, our weary work and our burdensome load by just indulging in ourselves for a little bit, maybe tucking on Netflix, having a, having a nice warm cup of tea, sitting down by the fire, resting, having some me time? Is that what we truly need? I'm all for sitting by the fire watching Netflix, don't worry. But I think truly we need the rest that Jesus offers us. <coughs> We don't just need a physical rest that we focus on in ourselves. Uh, we need a rest that only Jesus can offer. If you want to truly rest, Jesus is saying, you need to come to Jesus. And in some ways, we're not going to experience the full promise of what Jesus is saying here until we come to him. We have the eternal rest that he's promising. But there's definitely rest that we can But I was recommended this book by Adam 